turn to the book of Acts, chapter 2. Acts, chapter 2, the acts of the apostle or the actions of the apostles. And uh, it is the history book of the church. Uh, now, today is obviously, that was a week ago. Today is not Easter Sunday. But I tell you, I cannot get over, I cannot get over the wonder of Jesus' death and his resurrection. I can't, don't want to, don't need to. The, 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 the wonder of Jesus' death, the wonder, the wondrous, the wonderfulness, I don't even know if that's a word, the wondrous fact of the, of the cross and the empty tomb is still with us. And Jesus' death and resurrection, you're going to see this here today, in beginning in Acts chapter 2, Jesus' death and resurrection are more than just two elements of an amazing story, but those facts, those, the fact of his death on the cross, his substitutionary atonement for our sins, he became the sacrifice for us. The fact of his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, those changed how people live, right? It's more than just, oh, that happened, that's a point in history. It changes and it changed how people live. The events of Acts chapter 2 that we'll read about here in a moment happened about seven weeks after Jesus died and returned to life. About seven weeks 50 days. On that occasion, in Acts chapter 2, 50 days after the resurrection or after Jesus' death, 50 days later, uh, 120 of Jesus' followers were gathered together in one place and they were praying when the Holy Spirit, the promised Holy Spirit, arrived. You can read about the full account later. You can read the entire, the entire account. But the Bible says that they were all, all 120 of them, were filled with his Holy Spirit. We know that because immediately upon their filling, they began to speak. The Bible says all of them began to speak in an unknown language, a language that they had never learned. Later. And we don't know how much later because I'm sure it wasn't just immediately let's leave this place, but at some point thereafter, uh, they began to leave this room. But they didn't stop speaking those languages that they had never learned. There in, they didn't keep it in the room. It actually, the Bible says, they continued to speak out on the street. Now we often... Uh, really pay a lot of attention to what happened in the upper room. But I want to draw your attention to what happened outside the upper room as they left that room and went out into the street. You see, there was a festival going on, a Jewish festival, where Jews from all over gathered together from a lot of different places, and there were there were Jewish people and, and even non-Jewish people who had gathered who spoke different languages. Many foreign language persons were in Jerusalem that day for this festival. They're out on the street and then all of these 120 Christians left that upper room, came down into the street and they began to hear 
those first Christians speaking in their languages things that they understood. And in Acts chapter 2, you have it before you, verse 11, it says the people who heard it said this, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. I want you to imagine this. Again, these people come flooding out of this room and they're talking in languages that they understood. I, I, I'm, I'm sure that some people tried engaging them and started talking to them in that language that they were speaking. And of course, they didn't know what to say. They're just giving this message that the Holy Spirit had given to them. And it doesn't say what they were saying. It simply says they were hearing them declare the wonders of God in their own languages. They were hearing them talking about the wonders of God. Now, I, I, I don't know, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to assume, and I think it's a safe assumption, that they were talking about how Jesus was the Son of God, is the Son of God, and how Jesus died on the cross, and how Jesus rose from the dead, and how they too can have a living relationship with Jesus Christ. All of these people, empowered by the Holy Spirit, speaking in languages they didn't understand, but other people did, and they're hearing about the wonders of God. The Greek word that is translated into wonder, we looked at a couple of Greek words that were translated into the English word wonder last week. This is, in the, this is a different one. This word, this Greek word, means great things or wonderful works or the mighty things of God. See, here's what happened later that day. And again, we often go immediately from the upper room account to what happened later on that day after Peter, one of the disciples, preached. Uh, and, and we know that later on that day, more than 3,000 people came into a living relationship with Jesus Christ. But it didn't start just when Peter preached it began when a whole bunch of people left a room and they were speaking the message of Jesus Christ in the way that other people could hear it. I believe that the seed was planted not when Peter got up to speak, but when 120 believers spilled out of a room and they began to tell people about the wonders of God. The message began there. They did what Psalm chapter 20 6 verse 7 says, I am proclaiming aloud your praise and telling them of all your wonderful deeds. This is what's happening here on this Pentecost day. Uh, so before we proceed, uh, again, understand this, the context here. These were people that were being used of God to tell other people about Jesus. One of the most important things that happened that day is somebody heard the message of Jesus Christ. Now, turn one chapter forward to Acts chapter 3, the, 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 the book of Acts chapter 3. Now, uh, obviously, it's right after chapter 2. Uh, that you, you come to the conclusion that's not very long after uh, that previous event, and you'd be right. This is still very early on in the history of the church, this is still not long after Jesus' resurrection, and it's just a short time after that day of Pentecost. 
The Bible tells us, and some of you know this story, the Bible tells us that, that two of Jesus' followers, two of his disciples, Peter and John, were walking to the temple when they encountered a man who was crippled. He was begging because that's the only way that he could get enough food to eat. There were no programs to help people who could not do anything for themselves. This man is begging and they encounter him and he's asking them for money. The Bible says that they replied to him, we, we don't have what you want. They said, we don't have silver and gold, right? We don't, have, we don't have big money and we don't have small money. We don't have any money, they said. Silver and gold we don't have, they said, but what we do have, we're going to give to you. And they, at that point, they said, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, be healed, rise up and walk. And they, and, and they, they grasped him. The man immediately stood up. It was a powerful miracle. Uh, this was the first post-Pentecost miracle. The things that happened during Jesus' ministry, Jesus has died, he's rose from the dead, he's ascended into heaven, but the miraculous continued on. That's very important. And this man who, who was, was crippled, this man who was, was begging, it, it, it says that he was healed. Verse 8 says that when he was healed, he immediately began walking. The word is used, walking. He began to jump around. He was jumping. And it says that he was praising God. Now, it doesn't take much imagination to understand what that was like. And I appreciate this man's response. Well, why wouldn't he respond this way? He's never walked before because earlier in the chapter, it says that he was crippled from birth. He'd always been this way. This was not from an injury two years before. This was not through chronic, um, some pain thing or, or some injury. This was something he had never walked before, but suddenly this man is healed. It's a double miracle because not only does he have the ability to walk, but he's already, in, in just a millisecond, he learned how to walk. You understand, it, it, you have to have both, the ability and the know-how. He had it all. He began not only walking, but he began leaping. Now, let me ask you this. If you've never walked before and suddenly you had the ability to walk and you had the understanding to walk, I'll tell you what, I wouldn't leave it at walking either. I'd start jumping around too. It says he was jumping walking and jumping and praising God. He was running up to people and he would say, hey, look at the legs, you know, and he'd pull up his, his kind of a skirt thing, a robe, whatever, and he would say, look at that. You understand, there had never been muscles on these legs, or if there were, they were tremendously atrophied. Uh, the, the, the ligaments were all bound. They were seized up. They had never been used but now suddenly he has, he, I'm thinking, Bible doesn't say it, I'm thinking the man had some good looking legs. How many know what I'm talking about? And he's jumping around and he's showing people and he's praising God. He's never experienced anything like this. So we often focus in on the man's response, which is understandable, but I want you to notice the response of the people who saw the man. Look at verse 9. Verses 9 and 10 read this way. When all the people saw him, the people around him, when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with, here's, here's that word again, they were filled with wonder and amazement 
at what had happened to him. So the locals, right, the people that were always there, the people who recognized him as the beggar at the temple gate, now it says they saw that he had changed. It says when all the people saw him, they observed this, they noticed this, they saw that he had changed. And the result was, well, you see it here, Wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. They had wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Again, same word in English, wonder, but again, a different Greek word. This Greek word, translated wonder, means they were astonished. They were in wonder at what had happened. They were in wonder. They were astonished at what Jesus had done to him. Something had happened to him. Something had begun to change this man. By the way, I don't want to go any further until I point out two other words here. And that is, I really like the words there. You see them before you. The words used to. See that there? See that? When all the people saw him walking and praying, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging. Used to. I like that word. He used, to, he used to be the guy who was begging. Used to. That's past tense. I like that. I like that. I like the fact that the power of Jesus Christ puts the used to into our life. Come on. How many of you can look back? Now, maybe your issue wasn't that you were crippled from birth. Maybe you were something. But how many here are really, really thankful to Jesus that there's a used to in your life? Come on. Yeah, I used to do that. I used to say that. I used to be that. I used to treat people that way. I used to hurt people. I used to abuse people. I used to be that victim. I used to be that bleeding person. I used to be that wounded person. But glory to God, I'm a used to. Now I'm a glory to God. I am because of Jesus Christ. We could end right there. That's good stuff, but there's more. They saw how God had intervened in human need. I, 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 I want you to see this here. People began to see, remember this is just in the very initial days, weeks, months of the church. But they're beginning to see that the, the power of Jesus, that how the message of Jesus Christ was not just a philosophical idea that stirred the intellect. You have to understand, this is not very long after the golden age of Greek philosophy. Now, Jerusalem was not the center of Greek philosophy. That was north and west up in Athens and the, the Greek area and so forth. But, but still, this was a pretty big philosophy. But all of a sudden now, this is not just a philosophy. This actually changes people's lives. It doesn't just tickle the intellect or, oh, that makes sense or that's interesting that's an interesting idea. But here's something that was tangible. Here's something that was powerful. They saw how the message of Christ changed people's lives. How God intervened in human need. Let me say that again. God intervened in human need. So in Acts chapter 2, back to chapter 2, people heard the wonderful message of Jesus. And in Acts chapter 3, they saw the wonderful power of Jesus. 
in Acts 2, they began to hear the wonderful message of Jesus. And in Acts chapter 3, they're beginning to see the wonderful power of Jesus. Here's the thing, it's still true today. It's still true today. His message still saves and his power still transforms. Let me say that again. Jesus' message still saves people today. And his power still transforms people today. Here's the thing. Now, this is a long time ago, 2,000 years ago. Yet people in that time, in these 2,000 years at different times, people often forget how his message saves and his power transforms. They forget, or at least they don't practice, how his message, his message spoken to other people saves and his power transforms. I, I read some interesting things in recent, and, and I, like, I, like, I like history. I like uh, some church history. Recently, I was reading about, you've probably never heard of him. Uh, you, I, I read about Simon Stylites. Simon Stylites. Simon, uh, Simon Stylites was a monk who lived in the 5th century. Very long time ago. He lived in the 5th century... And history records how for 36 years, Simon Stylites perched himself on top of a high pillar. He erected some kind of a post or a pole very high up, put a little platform up there. He went up there and did not come down for 36 years. <laughs> kind of... There's a lot of questions that go with that. <laughs> How, well, just, you know, 36 years. He did so, he said, for the sake of Christ. Another guy, a couple hundred years later, his name was Theodore of Sycheon lived in the 7th century to demonstrate his devotion to Christ. History records that he lived most of his adult life, locked himself into a narrow cage suspended from a rock. So he's on a cliff with a chain and a cage, and that's where he locked himself for most of his adult life. He was fully exposed to harsh weather, and history records that he spent all of his days singing psalms. Now you're probably thinking, where's he going with this? I don't question their devotion. You've got to be pretty devoted to do those kinds of things. But I ask this question, what did it accomplish? I mean, what was accomplished? Remember back to the early days of the church, what was, what was the emphasis? The message of Jesus getting out and the power of Jesus demonstrated in people's lives. How many people heard the message of Jesus Christ by people, not only just these few examples, but many who did sensational, though senseless, things like that. 
How many people heard the message of Jesus Christ? How many people were transformed by someone spending decades on a perch or in a cage? You know, when I hear stories of that, I go, man, what they could have done. Just come down off your goofy perch. Get out of the cage. There's a world that is hurting. There's this wonderful, incomparable, wonderful, incomparable message of Jesus Christ that people are literally, eternally dying without. Get the message out, dude. Get out of the cage. Get off your perch. What could have been? What could have been? Now, here's where it gets a little bit dangerous. Because we can't be too hard on them. Because I have to ask this question. How many people who claim faith in Jesus Christ today spend their lives doing things that make no eternal difference in the lives of lost people. See, I can shake my head. You can, we can all shake our heads at people that go perch themselves someplace or lock themselves into a, uh, the, the face of a cliff. But how many people are there today who will spend the, all of their lives at gathering something, accumulating something, accomplishing something, doing something, but eternally speaking, it's as worthless as locking yourself in a cage or putting yourself on a perch. See, I have known people who claim faith in Christ, but just from my observation, I kind of wonder what did they accomplish for the sake of Jesus Christ in their lifetime. See, someday, every Christian is going to stand before Jesus and he's going to say, what did you do? Right? The parable of the talents. It's true. We're going to stand before him, and he's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? And we're going to have to account for that. I want to be able to say, I didn't perch someplace or lock myself in someplace. I shared the message of Jesus. I demonstrated the power of Jesus so that other people could be eternally changed. We must remember, my friends, listen to me. We must remember that the message of Jesus still saves and the power of Jesus still transforms. Still works. 2,000 years later, it still works. Two weeks ago, a Gallup poll made headlines. The poll revealed how in 2020... Church membership in the United States dropped below 50% for the first time. How many here heard or read about that? Let me just, a number of hands, yeah. Let me just run it by you again. Uh, first time in, in, uh, since they've been doing this, uh, uh, as recent as about 22 years ago, it was around 70-some percent. Now it's dropped below 50% of the U.S. population uh, uh, it uh, is is uh, a part uh, as a part of a church. Um, this, the reasons cited uh, for the decline, the significant decline, were generational attitudes or generational changes in attitudes toward religion. Those were the reasons cited. 
But I have to ask the greater question, how much of it is because many so-called churches stopped telling people about the saving and sin-forgiving message of Jesus Christ? Now, that's a hard question. And, and I'm, not, I'm not singling out denominations or congregations or churches. I'm not. I won't do it. But I just have to ask the hard question, how much of that rejection, abandonment of traditional Christianity is because so many of them who claim faith in Christ stop telling people about the saving and sin-forgiving message of Jesus Christ. Instead, how many replaced it with the messages, the mixed messages of we're all about, as a church, social justice or social justice or racial justice, some other form of humanism. How, how, how many churches that once, congregations that once, pastors who once proclaimed that there is faith alone in Jesus Christ that will make an eternal difference in your life, but instead have raised up another message that has, has all but obliterated the message of Jesus Christ? It's a hard question. And if people aren't getting the answers there, if, if they're not, if Jesus is not lifted up, then people are saying, eh, I don't need it. How many, how many so-called churches stopped demonstrating the life-transforming power of Jesus Christ? How many people said, yeah, you can do that. It doesn't matter that it's your choice. It's up to the individual. Yes, the Bible says this, but, you know, it's okay now. And, and, and go ahead and do that. And instead of saying Jesus can heal you and Jesus can change you and Jesus can deliver you and Jesus can set you free, instead of that, they've just said you can do whatever you want. It really doesn't matter. It's up to you. And they stopped communicating the life-transforming, changing, altering message of Jesus Christ. And the result is people that, they, they just, if there's nothing there, if they, if they fail in communicating the saving message of Jesus and in the transformation power of Jesus, then what do you have to offer? See, I, I say this as a pastor. I say this as a, a denominational leader. If we don't lift up Jesus, if we don't continue to, to drive home this very central theme that Jesus is the only hope for our world today, if we don't tell people that yes, you've got a lot of issues, but glory to God, my Jesus can help you with that. He can deliver you from that. If we fail to do that, people will say, then what else is there? Then why should I go to you? Why should I, if there's no power, if there's no presence, then what is there? I'm just going to do my thing. So why wouldn't people turn their backs on it? We sang this morning, 
We need your presence. And we do. Because without his presence, as we proclaim his message, without his presence, as we see his power demonstrated, we're lost. Oh. But when the world around us hears that Jesus and Jesus alone can save me. When they hear that faith in Him alone, Lordship in Him alone will forgive my sins. When they hear that the Son of God who was perfect died on the cross for my sins so that all of the things that I've done, all of the horrible things that have been done to me or that I've done to other people, that they are forgiven and I can be free of that? Oh, when they hear that, it's irresistible. When they hear that you mean this thing that I've carried around for so long, that God can change that? When they hear that we serve a God who is so concerned that he heals a crippled man, maybe he can touch me. Maybe he can deliver me. Maybe he can help me. Maybe he can encourage me. Maybe he can set me free. When they hear the message of Jesus, and when they hear of the power of Jesus, see the power of Jesus, you know what will happen? They will find it wonderful too. Just like those people in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 3 did. What a task. We look at the world around us right now, and it is so easy. It is so easy. Listen to me. It is so easy to say, God, bring judgment. And He will. It's so easy to abandon it and say, it's hopeless. Let me also say this. It's very easy to say, oh God, just get us out of here and forget about the lost people around us. What is the Lord telling you right now? What are you doing about sharing the message and demonstrating the power of Jesus. I want to pray for you before we're done, but before we even get to that, I want to pray for others here. This morning, 
You may have come last week for the first time. Somebody invited you here today. Maybe you're watching online and you're, you're hearing all about this. But perhaps the most important question I can ask some people particularly here this morning is, do you have a living relationship with Jesus Christ? Have you received the message? Oh, maybe you've heard it, but have you received it? Do you know that Jesus is your Lord and Savior? Do you know, have that inner confidence, assurance, that if you were to die in the next moment, that you would go to be with him? Do you have that assurance? If you don't, I want you to. You can today begin experiencing with those believers in Acts chapter 2, 3,000 of them that day, begin. Today can be your day. If you would do this, please, everyone, if you would bow your heads, please, and close your eyes. Those of you that are joining us online, um, I, want you to, I want you to keep your eyes open. I want you to, but, but I, I, if there's anyone here in the room um, that, that would say, yeah, I, I need to know, Pastor, I want to know for sure that, that I'm ready to go. I want to know that Jesus is my Lord. I want to experience that saving message of Jesus, and I want him to begin transforming me. If you've never prayed that prayer before, or maybe some things have happened, and you just need to say, I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm to come, and I need you, Lord. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right now? Just right here on, yep, thank you, down here. Somebody right there in the middle. Someone else. Is there anyone else? On the main level. Anyone in the balcony? Anyone else here? Let, let's, let's do this right now. Because this is, this is, the message has been shared of Jesus. And now it's been received. Uh, one person raised their hand. There may be others. Would you, would you just uh, very quietly even just pray this prayer with me? Agree in this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, uh, come into my heart. And forgive my sins. I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe that you rose from the dead for me. I am lost without you, but I'm, I know that you are my Lord. I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my Savior. Come into my heart. Forgive my sins. Make me your child. And then, Lord, I want to live with you forever. I pray this in Jesus' name. This morning, if you're here in the building or if you're online and you prayed that simple prayer, I have a request of you that you would reach into that, that rack in front of you or signify there on the website uh, that, yes, I, I asked Jesus into my heart today. We want to follow up with you. We want to help you on your journey with following Jesus Christ. And now I want to pray for all of you. Would you all stand, please, if you're in the building, join us. And I want to pray for all those who are engaging with us today in this service. Now, Lord, uh, we, we pray that, I pray this for every person here today, every person listening, that they would be engaged in sharing your message. There are people that they know, people maybe that they live with, people that they work with, study beside, who do not yet know you, and they're lost, and they, 
They don't even know they're lost. But I pray that you would use these here to take the message out. I pray, Jesus, that the, every person listening here today would trust you for transformational power. That what happened in the book of Acts, the ways in which they prayed for people that they just encountered on a street, uh, hurting people, wounded people, broken people. But Lord, may we, in the name of Jesus, share with them the transforming power of Jesus. This, your presence is what they need. It's what we all need. So Lord, I pray this. I thank you, Lord, for every person here. Use them for your glory. Lord, we're now leaving this place, but we're going out into a, a world that is has tremendous needs. But we have the answer. Jesus, you're the answer. Thank you. Your favor upon us. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. These altars are open. God bless you this morning. I want you to go in the presence and in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you.